following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Have you ever had a moment where your brain is trying to catch up with what you're seeing? When I was in college, uh, there was um, this amazing place we would go most Saturday mornings. So I went to Concordia University, now located at 620 and around 2222. But when I was there my first three years, it was downtown at I-35 and 38th and a half. And if you hopped on 35 and went just a few exits down to Cesar Chavez and you hooked a left, you would arrive at one in a million. Now, one in a million has the best breakfast taco in the world. Now, you may say, Ted, that's a bold claim. And listen, I'll fight you. It is the best breakfast taco in the world. Now, to be fair, there's some nostalgia in that. There's a love of being able to go there, of memories in college, but I've been back. It still holds up. But the great thing was that one in a million, you would get this breakfast taco, the Don Juan Especial, and it was a tortilla piled about a mile high with potatoes and bacon and cheese. You had to order three extra tortillas just to eat the one taco. And what was great is when you were in college, it cost $4 and a penny. Now there's been a little bit of inflation since then, but it was great because you'd wake up late on a Saturday and go, hey, I don't really want to go to the, um, to the cafeteria and it's in between meals anyways, one in a million. Let's go. So me and my cousin and a friend of ours, we hop in the car and we drive down there and uh, we end up sitting outside on the patio. Now, what you got to understand is at this point, um, one in a million had probably updated their patio furniture uh, back when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth. But that was one of the things you loved about one in a million was it was your hole in the wall. It was amazing. It still is amazing. But they had those patio chairs that are the one solid plastic piece that it was like the ones they had were from the first mold of this chair back in, you know, 1914. And so we're sitting there talking, but we didn't pay attention to the chairs we were sitting in. Now I'm looking across the table at my friend, my cousin sitting next to me, and I, I don't really see him, but I hear this snap and a crack. And I look over and he is gone. <laughs> and my brain, and this, I wish this were a joke, but literally my brain said, someone has invented teleportation. <laughs> like for about five seconds, I was convinced it had happened, that my cousin had been beamed up to the Starship Enterprise for adventures. Because that's, my brain immediately thought, what else could have happened? There was a sound and he's gone. And about five seconds in, my brain said, look down. And sure enough, there was my cousin, but on his face was the same look. That he was like, how did I get down here? And me and my friend, we're looking at him going, yeah, how did you get down there? And we're all kind of frozen and up comes our waitress and she has this scolding look on her face. She's flagging down some of the bus boys to help uh, my cousin get up. Cause I mean, the chair, it was, again, this is an old chair. It was just done. 
And she said, I've been saying we need to get new chairs for so long. And they get him up, they get a new chair for him. And then as she's handing us our bowls of salsa and chips, she goes, if these are your friends, I don't want to meet your family. Because we had not moved to help him up. So then we are trying so hard not to laugh because this is the woman who is bringing us our breakfast tacos. If there's one person you don't want to mess with, it's the waitress bringing you your breakfast tacos. So we're trying so hard not to laugh because she goes, if these are your friends, I don't want to meet your family because she has met his family because I am it. But it was this moment where my brain just didn't catch up. And I don't know if you've had a moment like that where you see something happening and your brain goes to some strange place. There's a light in the sky, it's a UFO. You see a mirage, okay. The favorite one I've seen lately is uh, as people look out across um, some of the, the levees in the Netherlands, there's a mirage that happens that it looks like ships are floating above the water. But our brain does that. It, it tries to fill in the spaces when the unknown happens. And so all those years ago, Mary is coming to the tomb, coming to serve her teacher who has died. As one final moment where she can serve him in the way he served so many. And in our reading this morning, we see it happen. Remember, Mary has followed Jesus along with the 12 through his years of ministry. She knows his voice. And when he asks, why are you crying? She says, they have taken my teacher away because she sees the empty tomb and nowhere in her thought pattern is that he is risen. And he asks again. And in fact, she turns around and looks at him and her brain still keeps firing. She goes, he's probably the gardener, right? Like this is Jesus who she has loved and walked beside and talked with. And she just cannot recognize who he is. And then finally, when it clicks, she says, Rabboni, teacher. And she's the first one to see Jesus resurrected. She's the first one to see him walking again, to see sorrow turn to gladness. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have yet to ascend to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day 
of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Resurrection is an insane idea. There are two things we know. It's death and taxes. But here comes Jesus and says, death, not so big a deal anymore. On Friday, he goes to the cross for our sins. And on Sunday, as he rises again, he shows that even death does not have power over him. That there is a new life that follows the death of our sin. You see, on Friday, he took our sin to the cross where it was nailed along with him. And that would have been enough. But he keeps giving. And so in his resurrection, he looks at us and says, there is new life. And even in this story of his interaction with Mary, we can see what that new life means. First of all, he calls us by name. Mary is stuck in this idea that Jesus couldn't possibly be alive, that she couldn't possibly have survived, that he is in the tomb, so much so that she looks him in the face and says, ah, that's the gardener. Her brain can't catch up with this insanity that has happened until Jesus calls her by name. The first piece of the good news of the resurrection is that Jesus calls us by name. He looks and he says, you are mine. This empty tomb is my claim on you. A lot of times we can sometimes think about the gospel and who Jesus is and think about it as something for everyone, which is a good thing for us to think. That's a very good thing for us to think, to say Jesus comes to save the world. But this morning, let me tell you that in the empty tomb, Jesus came to save you. The world was important to him, but he didn't want to be separated from you. That he calls you by name. The next thing he does is he restores relationship. Our sin had separated us from God. And at the cross, he takes that separation and destroys it to the point where he looks and says, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He is letting Mary know the separation is done. And in fact, I will return to him and sit at his right hand to advocate for you. That never again will you have to wonder, will God love me? Could God love me? Because in the cross, he declares you are loved. And in the empty tomb, he says, and that doesn't 
end. Today we confessed the life eternal. A lot of times I like being the pastor that's like, let's tell it like it is. Some pastors are going to preach you a five-star meal. Me, you're getting barbecue. But boy, do I love that turn of phrase, the life eternal. What an incredible idea. And at the cross, Jesus renews that relationship between you and God. And in the empty tomb, he says, and that relationship is for the life eternal. Paul would write and say, there is now nothing that can separate you from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. So he calls you by name back into that relationship with the Father. Back to where God is calling. I don't want to take just a minute to live in that reality. There are a lot of things in this world that want your attention, that want your identity, that want who you are. And let me tell you, this year has been one of the worst for them. Because we've been separated, we've lived apart from each other, we've had the struggle of not being able to be close to family, to friends, to figuring out all of these unknowns. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of whatever life will throw at you, this year might have been a challenge for you, but you might have had times that were worse. The good news I can give you this morning is that Jesus has called you by name and claimed you as his, and that relationship cannot be taken away. And the world and the enemy will try and tell you over and over and over again, you are not good enough. And let me tell you, you don't have to be. That's why Jesus goes to the cross for you. To call you by name and restore that relationship with God. And that will be a struggle throughout your life is to be brought back time and time again to the empty tomb to hear Jesus call you by name and remind you that you are now part of the family. You are in relationship. And I'd love to say that's a roller coaster for me that happens randomly. Well, that roller coaster dropped pretty low this morning about 5 a.m. when I was waking up to get ready for this morning. And all I could think was, why am I a pastor? No one wants this. What's the point? Am I good enough? Now, luckily, I'm married to a woman who sat me down and looked at me and said, you're doing fine. Keep going forward. And I don't say that to bring attention to me, except to say, it's going to come. We need the reminder over and over and over again. Why do we celebrate Easter every year? It's the same story. It hasn't changed. It's the kid who watches Moana 18 times. Nothing's changed between 16 and 18. Same movie. 
So why do we need to come back to it? Because the world and the enemy will try and steal that peace, will try and steal that joy. And this morning I got to experience the low back in to the peace. That we come together to talk about this every year, every week, because we need to hear it. We need to hear time and time and time again. Jesus calls you by name. You are his. And then he says, welcome to the family. Listen, in a couple weeks, I was able to get my vaccines. I'm good to go. I am going to see my nieces. And you can't tie me down to stop me. Because for a year, I've only been able to FaceTime them. And they are the funniest little girls on earth. And I am so looking forward to that moment in a couple weeks where I get to hang out with them. And that's the relationship in the family we are called back into. That we used to be separate from God. We used to be far away, but he has now come and brought us back that when we gather together as the church, our joy is as a family reuniting. Whether it's those who are physically here this morning, those joining us online, the reason we come together is because it's a family reunion where we remember what was done for us. Live in that reality that you are called by name and that relationship in the family has been restored. But Jesus doesn't stop there, which is one of those like annoying Jesus things as you read scripture, he keeps doing this. Like he goes to a certain place and you go, Jesus, this feels great. I love it. I'm in. And then he goes, great, let's take it one more step. And you go, mm, let's stay here, right? Like how great is the family reunion? I mean, we had Round Rock Donuts this morning. That's a great family reunion. This is great. Let's just hang out. And Jesus knows that we as humans love to hang out. Hanging out isn't bad, but when it stops us, we can just kind of circle and do nothing. And so Jesus looks and says, listen, I'm gonna call you by name. You're part of the family. And then he says this, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Our identity found in the empty tomb means we are called by name. We are restored in that relationship and part of the family, but it means that we don't sit and hoard that blessing. But instead, there is a blessing on top of it where Jesus says, just like I was sent, now I'm going to send you. I want you to go out to the world. 
And let's think about how Jesus was sent. He was sent as a servant to all. He was sent to sacrifice for all. He was sent to love all. When we are redeemed and called by name and part of the family, it means that we rejoice when we are together, but we don't stop there. We are sent to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. The message of the empty tomb is one that God says, listen, you're not just gonna twiddle your thumbs. I have something for you to do and it is incredible. There are people in your world around you who need to experience the love of God who need to know what you know. Here at Narrative, we say that our calling as a church is to be disciples living the story of Jesus. And we specifically said living instead of telling because telling is part of what it is. But it is an action and a verbal that we go out to love our neighbors as ourselves to love God wherever we go. And that will give us a mission for the rest of our lives. That the empty tomb is not the end, but instead the beginning of a resurrected life that one day will be completed when Jesus returns and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But right now, He has put you in places, the places you live, the places you go to school, the places you hang out, to love him and love others wherever you are. You see, the good news of the empty tomb claims your identity and then gives you purpose. Well, Ted, what if I, yes, go do that. Love God, love others. But what could I, yes, love God, love others. Well, who's my neighbor? Yes, love God, love others. Well, what if I fail? Great, come back. Jesus has called you by name. You belong to him. Now love God and love others. Sometimes we can get so stuck in feeling like we are the worst. And then we try, well, only if I could be better. Stop trying to be better. Jesus handled that. You do not need to do anything for your salvation or the life eternal. That is taken care of. But what Jesus says is there are more people he wants to be part of the family. And you know what? It's not your job to convince them to be a part of the family. It's your job to love them the way God loved you. And Peter would say to have a defense of the hope that's in you. That when someone asks, why are you so different? Why are you kind to me when no one else is? You can say, well, let me tell you about my teacher who called me by name at the empty tomb. Let me tell you about my family that is not perfect. We got this one guy, wow, he's kind of crazy, but he's in the family. We got this group of people, they're, they're in the family. This world needs hope, something fierce right now. 
And what Jesus knows is that when he says, peace be with you, I am sending you as I was sent. That we get to be dealers of hope in this world. So here this morning, Jesus has called you by name. You belong to him. Turn around. He is risen for you. Look on the face of the rabbi, of the Savior. Rejoice in that restored relationship between the Father and the Son, between you and God. But don't hoard it. Be sent as Jesus was sent. Go out as Jesus went out. Love your neighbor as Jesus loved his neighbors. Be a disciple living the story of Jesus because Jesus has called you by name. He's brought you into the family and he's sending you out to take hope to a hopeless world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you for getting our attention from the world that wants us to forget that you came from an enemy who wants to take our vision and turn it away from you. Lord, let us rejoice in that restored relationship that we are part of the family. Heavenly Father, send us out where you need us from this place every week into the places we go to take your hope that you gave us at the empty tomb. Pray this on your son, Jesus' name. Amen.